Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. I want to win the league, but I want to win it better. You can understand that, can't you? Yes. Good luck. So he's almost like having a second captain in the team. Second captain, first captain, whatever. World Service members, Monday only listeners, hello, one and all, welcome to the Second Captain's Podcast. We've had an intense weekend in the GA Championship, and we're going to reflect on the best of it for you today. Hi, Murph. Hello there, all. You're in Pierce Park in Galway, cheering on Pierce your boys. Stadium. Yeah, Pierce I mean, Stadium yeah. in Galway, of course, while bemoaning Ed Sheeran. <laughs> we really were, old. So Ed Sheeran played a concert. Uh, doesn't appear as though the pitch has stood up too well to the rigours of hosting a no. live music concert. No, it was uh, it was quite odd. I thought I had the the hot scoop when I was out in the field after the match had finished uh, with my nephew playing a bit of hurling oh, yeah. and having a bit of a puck around. And uh, I was like, God, this pitch is terrible underfoot. I mean, maybe on television it, it might not look like that, but <laughs> it's really, really bad. So I took a photograph of it and it's like, hold on, Twitter. <laughs> I've got the skinny for you. Mm-hmm. And it turns out, I went, uh, watched Sunday game last night and I was like, oh my God, the pitch looks absolutely atrocious. It didn't look great. So, yeah. I mean, the GA have other stadia. One of them is Crow Park. They host a lot of uh, concerts in that stadium. The people in charge of the pitch in Crow Park, they do things. They make sure that the pitch is in top order a couple of weeks after these uh, concerts happen. I don't know if there's some sort of central knowledge-sharing executive that could meet and greet and get together on this stuff so that uh, Goldwyn and Kenny don't have to play on uh, what was a really, really bad surface. I, Ken McGuire was talking about it being sandy on the Sunday game. It wasn't sandy. Mm-hmm. It was just terrible. We've started on a bum note, Murph. I can't believe I've been down this path. You've, you came in, the, you were glowing arriving into work this morning. Go, we finally get a home game in Pierce mm. Stadium. You get to indulge a lot of your sporting neuroses on one afternoon. It was, uh, it was gorgeous, actually. Mm. It was really, really nice to be able to go to a hurling championship game in your home ground uh, as you're driving along the prom in Salt Hill uh, Galway hookers out in the out in the bay clear off in the distance absolutely beautiful day uh, parked the car up in St. Enda's there the school across the road from Pierce Stadium uh, two hurling pitches it would have been rude not to 
So we had to poke around for an hour before the game. This is more but, poking around than you've done in your life, by the I way. I know. It's like my, my nephew and my uh, my first cousin's eldest son, the two of them were at the game with us. So, I mean, they brought their hurlies. I mean, it, it, the, the mere idea of it is ridiculous to anyone who doesn't go to hurling games. That you bring the actual paraphernalia of the sport along with you into the game. If young boys and girls who are big lacrosse fans are going to a match, do they bring the lacrosse sticks? You know, I mean, the, I'm not sure. the Las Vegas Golden Knights are starting their World <laughs> Series on Wednesday. I don't think at the end of the game, the young denizens of Las Vegas managed to walk, wander down out of the rink and just like hang around for a while. Uh, so yeah, no, it was a, it was a great day. Any celebs, uh, buddy? Well, must be some celebs at the West of that game. Yeah, well, uh, saw Alan Kearns, who was doing the same thing that I was with his uh, kid on the pitch. But and this was like a good hour after the game as well. After the game had finished, then I was in Supermax, of course, when yeah. in Rome, contractually obliged. Yeah, uh, uh, with my nephew, who walks in, Sean Ogdepoir, <laughs> two-time All Ireland champion. Mm. I tweeted this, and as I was tweeting, it was like I, I'm turning into a real life parody account of myself <laughs> you know <laughs> so Murph went to a Galway game went to Supermax and met uh, like one of the 10 best GA players that Galway uh, has ever produced like at the counter did you get had a, a chat about the hurling did you get a how are you Murph oh yeah we had a full discussion about the hurling great great yeah so I was being very optimistic about the hurlers Sean was like what do you think of the footballers we're going to be close the two of us just looked at each other going well <laughs> you know this is great you know it's not even June Goalie have already beaten Mayo and Kilkenny. Something's got to give, I'm sure. But at the moment, all is right in the Galway Gales world. Michael Dignan and Malachy Clerken on analysis today for the hurling. But I know there's a bit of angst in the Gaelic football community at the fact that football took second billing on the Sunday game highlights last night, having already been overlooked for the live coverage. So you have to stay pretty late to watch through bleary, half-closed, sleepy eyes <laughs> to see any of your county in action. We're going to appease some of you, at least here, by giving first spot to the story of the weekend, Carlo playing Division 4 who are playing in Division 4 this year, beating Kildare from Division 1. That's after some super exciting live show ticket news. What Wolfie there is trying to say is the Second Captain's podcast moves into a sexy late-night slot at the Kilkenny Cat Laughs this weekend. We're on Friday night at 10.30pm, everybody. World Service members already know about this and have been snapping tickets up, but they've been kind enough to leave a few there for the rest of you. So if you want to see the show live, or just use it as an excuse to go down to Kilkenny for one of the best weekends of the year, I think that's probably a fair course of action, Murph. Hmm. Then pick up your tickets at thecatlaughs.com or secondcaptains.com forward slash live. So that's this Friday night at half past 10 we're going to be there with superstars of the sports and comedy worlds. We'd love to see you there too. You can get your tickets on secondcaptains.com forward slash live or thecatlaughs.com. Things got pretty heated in the KCLR commentary box as Brendan Hennessy called the decisive Carlo goal with the help of co-commentator Willie Quinn. And don't expect anything too intelligible out of Willie at this point of proceedings. And there's a hand in there from the Kildare man, but it's gone to John Murphy. Look who's coming forward, Horse Lawler. He can wrap it up until the more. Horse goes for the shot. It's a yes! goal! Yes! 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 It goes to the yes! What a goal! Oh my word! Carlo blowing Kildare away. They've blown them away until the more. The Kildare crowd are leaving. They thought they were playing no one today. They wrote us off on Twitter. They wrote them off everywhere. 214 to 110. This is Carlos Day. I hope we're enjoying this one. Horse is not his real name, Murph. Not his actual Connor name. Connor Lawler. Yep. He With bloody great finish, I have to say. Yeah, it was nice. nice A lot goal. more composure shown by Connor Lawler than there was in the KCLR commentary box. <laughs> yeah. Somebody check that desk. I think there's some yeah. equipment been damaged there. Ah, uh, just 
it kills me, you know, to hear these local commentaries in in uh, booths behind glass windows. So there's no there's no atmosphere other than Willie going absolutely mental there. You know, you, you need to have the the hooping and hollering of the Carlo crowd in there also. But listen, a solid effort from the lads. For those of you listening to us back in our news talk days, you might remember we're big Brendan Hennessy fans. Hickey runs like Lynn for Christie. So I'm glad that things have worked out. Hickey runs like Lynn for Christie. <laughs> things were a little more measured over on Shannon's side, where John Duffy and Liam Tierney took Longford's victory over Meath in their stride. The clock has run down. It's up to Horson now, the Tyrone man, to see how much he's going to add on. Hey, surely is he going to blow it? He's blown the final whistle. It's all over. It's all over. And Longford are through to the Leinster Senior Championship semi-final for the first time in the last 30 years. Not since 1988 have they won a quarter-final. They've won it against one of the big Mead, a big Leinster superpowers of Mead on a final score of 16 points to 14. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I saw John Green was tweeting saying, strange atmosphere, John Green, the sports editor of the Sunday Independent, strange atmosphere in Longford when final whistle went all through the game. In fact, nearly 6,000 present, but not much noise, left very cold by what they were watching. Which is funny. Maybe the prize of a mead scalp isn't That's as much as it used to be. What we've just heard be. is yeah. the deepest, unkindest cut of all to all of our Manny Mead listeners, I think. I mean, if the local Longford radio station can't go spare over beating Mead in a Leinster Championship game then like where are we mm. you know like what is going on in the Royal mm-hmm. County if Longford beating you is I mean that's that's perfectly like, the but, man could be reading the death notices there like come <laughs> on what is going on here uh, no doubt where the big result of the day came from Carlo manager Turlock O'Brien you've had a lot of very good days with these players in the last 12 months or so was yesterday the best of the lot I think it would be yeah absolutely to take uh, the scalp of a Division 1 team is I suppose it's a huge uh, step up the ladder for us and uh, I thought Caro really, really impressed uh, the neutrals at the match. Um, I know a lot of their people are disappointed with their own performance but I think if they take a bit of time to take stock and look at the game again and realise that Caro had really, really well and made it very difficult for Calera. I saw you on the Sunday game afterwards you made an interesting point about what this means to the people of Carlo in terms of the self-image of the county. What did you mean by that? Well, I just mean that if you're in a county like Carlo, you're a backwater uh, in GA terms and in national terms, and nobody knows anything about Carlo, no one visits Carlo, uh, but suddenly, uh, because of the success of the GA team now, everybody's talking about Carlo, and uh, people in Carlo are feeling really good about themselves, um, I know if you go to Kerry, you go to Kilkenny, you go to Mayo, these counties all have a great self-image of themselves and uh, portray the counties in a very, very positive light all the time. Whereas Carlo is kind of seen as, you know, ah, it's not really, you know, it's off the beaten track. It's not a place you want to go to. Uh, but suddenly uh, it's become interesting. It's become, dare I say, fashionable maybe. But I think it's important that, uh, you know, that Carlo maximises its exposure. Uh, yeah, I mean, like we all saw the celebrations after promotion was secured in March, but was this something very different again? You know, the, the promotion was the kind of the goal that you'd set yourself, mission accomplished. Uh, this is something maybe less defined, but special, just as special in a, in a different way. Well, look, you know, for a county, uh, you know, at the bottom rung of the ladder, uh, the only way to make sustained improvement is through the league. And uh, you've got to do it on a consistent basis. Uh, to do that, you've got to have a team that's committed long-term, that are prepared to put in the hard yards uh, for months on end, maybe for years on end. 
and uh, if you can get yourself up from the basement division up to divisions, uh, the quality of your football is obviously improving. And uh, from that perspective, you know, league promotion was the goal for Carlo. Having said that, uh, the you know the the glory of the championship is still there for us and for every county, uh, despite what. I, I keep reading in the media about the negativity, the negativity around the championship football and the state of football in this country. I'm sick listening to it, quite honest with you. Uh, I think um, championship is all about the, you know, that one-off occasion and a big day where you get an opportunity to play a Kildare or somebody else of that stature, and if you're good enough on the day, you can, you know, you can knock them out and you can do serious damage in the championship. But that's what we did yesterday. We've had Daniel St. Ledger in a couple of times in, in the last year or so. And it's interesting that he, he kind of felt last year, while something was building, he, he did make the point that the confidence levels were a little bit tenuous and that Carlo were so used to losing that it was taking the players a while and maybe the supporters just to really believe that, that, that it's okay to feel confident about yourselves. Do you think now with this win over Kildare, as you say, a Division 1 team, that, that confidence and belief should be rock solid now for the summer? Well, I just, yeah, look, I, I would back up on saying there, like, you know, but it's it's about expectations, you know. From Kilkenny or from Kerry, you expect to win. If you're from Kerry, you expect to lose. That has been the script uh, that we have been fed for all our lives. And we've slowly but surely chipped away at that, and expectations are slowly but surely changing. And, you know, Division 4 might be down, you know, the pecking order for a lot of people uh, in terms of achievement. But uh, if you're at the bottom of Division 4, it's a significant milestone. So we've had, you know, we've had, uh, obviously we had a very successful league campaign. We've had a lot of wins in it. Uh, we had a lot of wins in the championship last year. Granted, that may have been against the Division 4 sides. But we also had two really, really top-class performances against two Division 1 teams, Dublin and Monaghan. And, you know, again, there's a tendency maybe to... You know, to see Carlo as a kind of a novelty act, really, you know, and that uh, it's, you know, oh, it could be a little tap in the back there to direct against Dublin. Uh, but it was a bit more to it than that, I think. I thought Carlo's performance was really, really good against Dublin. And in hindsight, I think if people go back over the championship and analyse the performances of every team against Dublin, Carlo's performance stacks up there uh, with anybody's. And we... I suppose we backed that up with a performance against Monaghan, where really we should have beaten Monaghan. We had Monaghan on the ropes, and after we got our goal, and unfortunately, a bit of inexperience, uh, a bit of possession turnover uh, cost us dearly, and Monaghan deservedly won the game in the end. But we showed that this team is a serious team. Uh, this team is a team that has to be reckoned with, and that this is a team that can compete with anybody. Between the league and championship, you lost the one player that probably everybody would be familiar with on a national stage, Brendan Murphy, who decided to go to America. Did that knock things at all, preparation-wise? It didn't. Uh, it didn't knock things, you know. But again, you know, we knew three months in advance that Brendan was probably going to go to America. And uh, we knew his reasons for going. And we were happy with it. Uh, we were happy with it. Uh, we obviously were going to miss him. Uh, but look at, we don't have a hold over anybody. Uh, they're amateur footballers. There's an opportunity he couldn't turn down. And he's gone with our blessings, or he would go with our blessings when he does go. Uh, but we're gone beyond the stage where we're reliant on one player uh, to sustain a season for us. 
that's how it worked out and uh, people doubted what I was saying when I said this uh, when news broke first but that's how we approach it and that's the truth of it uh, of course we miss Brendan and he'll be back next year for the National Football League uh, look he's obviously going to have to live with that now you know I'm sure he's, he's huge regrets that he, had, he couldn't take part in the championship now at this stage yeah the Leinster semi-final is next uh, Leash and you know Leash were in the same division as you were so there's a Leinster final there I mean the, the, the carrot is there but there is a bit of a spicy rivalry developing between yourself and Leash now, given the two uh, league games that you've played. And certainly, whatever about having to convince yourself that you can beat Kildare, you know, there's no convincing required with Leash. I mean, you guys were the two teams that got promoted from Division 4, so you've absolutely no reason in the world to fear them. Well, we didn't need convincing that we could beat Kildare either, quite honest with you. Great. Maybe supporters <laughs> are, are kind of thought that, but we didn't need convincing about that. We were very confident we could do it, and we did it. And as regards Leash, that's a long, long-standing rivalry that's gone back many years, where Leash have had the upper hand for most of the time, uh, in, in my memory anyway. Uh, but Carlo are the equal of Leash at the moment. Uh, there's nothing but a kick of a ball between two sides, and... I'm really, really looking forward to this game, as I'm sure all the people in Leash are as well. Uh, it's a game both sides feel they can win, and both sides see the character of a Leinster final. Absolutely incredible. This would be uh, the story of the century, really, if Carlo can make a Leinster final this year. Yeah, well, if you keep your kicking accuracy stats up, I'm sure you can do the business. <laughs> this it, is it, unbelievable. Is this true? Because obviously we don't see the full game, you know, where everyone's catching highlights through, through different means. Zero wides kicked yesterday? That's correct. Wow. That's correct, yeah. yeah. Look, at, I'm not going to say that that was pre-planned or anything like that. It was just one of those things that happened. Uh, but we were very conscious that we, you know, about our shot selection and particularly because there was a good strong breeze there yesterday. Galera kicked seven wides with the breeze in the first half and we had kicked obviously none in the first half, but we emphasised at halftime that, you know, guys... You know, we're doing everything very, very well here. Uh, let's not fall into the trap that Kildare fell into and start shooting ridiculous, uh, ridiculous angles and from ridiculous distances and uh, regret afterwards that we've kicked so many wides. Um, so we were very, very uh, economic and very efficient in what we did. And look, it was one of those days where everything we did shoot went over the bar. Another day, obviously, we would have had a few wides, uh, but on the day, everything worked perfectly for us. And I'm sure it's probably a unique stat, really, that uh, there was no wide on the day. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But Don't Foul on Twitter, uh, at Don't Foul, is yeah. a, a really good yes. GA Statistics account. Great, he yeah. tweeted there's literally nothing on his database that comes anywhere close <laughs> to someone shooting 100%. So it's <laughs> pretty spectacular. Keep, keep that up and you'll be, you'll be fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. brilliant. <laughs> We've set the standard now, lads. So that's where the bar is at now. So, yeah. Listen, turn up brilliant stuff. Enjoy your, uh, best of luck in the, in the next game against Leach. And thanks so much for chatting today. Well done. Okay, man. Thanks for the coverage. See ya. He's stealing yards. He's stealing yards. He needs to get back. Get back. Who's going to be the man? See Tom Carson. Tom Carson. No, Tom. It's going straight to Kerry. Higgins now for Mayo. Comes back with Durkin. Good score, Paddy. Good you by you. Come on, Mayo! Come on! 
It's Kerry 214. Mayo 214. Kelly with kick out. Who's going to win it? Who's going to be the man? Steven. Go on. Sheehan has just done it, a mailman's gone tight, no, it's a free for Kerry, a free for Kerry about 50 metres out, oh. Oh, this is heartbreaking, it's a free from Kerry right in the middle of the pitch. He's after taking, he should be going back further, he has stolen a yard or two, watch him, yeah. he's stealing yards, he's stealing yards, he needs to get back, get back. We played five minutes, which has been a lot of injury time, Kerry 2-14, Mayo 2-14, Kerry to win it with Brian Sheehan. Sheehan, he oh, goes, yes, go wide, keep go wide, go wide, go wide. Is it going out? No, a mailman gets him. It's still in play. That's it's there, full time. Shea. It's all over. Full time. It's all over. We're oh, going to have to do it all over God. again. What a game. What an absolute thriller. And credit to both sets of players. Credit to them for the effort they gave, for the passion they put into it, for the football they played, for the actual sportsmanship that was there, for the actual scores that they got. That game had everything that you want to see except a Mayo win. Dave Mack is emailed in to editor at secondcaptains.com. Subject, this is a subject line that should have you in convulsions, Murph. Okay. Should send a shudder down you. Go on. Cork footballers. Oh. Yep, yes. you know what's okay. coming here. Lads, will you please make one of those catchy jingles of Ushin and Murph slating Cork and planning the Kerry Tip Munster final. Play it over and over and over again all summer before the football segment of the show. Bonus points for including the clip where they did the exact same thing last year. <laughs> Cork footballers get a tougher time than any team on the show and in their own county. So please give them credit this week from a long-suffering but always believing Cork football fan regard regards from David Mack who is a dedicated World Service member. You did build tip up massively against Murphy. Sorry, time, against Cork. Sorry, I'm I'm am I hearing this wrong? Is he, he's asking that everyone else give me and Ushin credit for finally sparking a reaction that's, that's, from the Cork footballers? Is that is that what he's saying? Quite the opposite. Because I mean, I'm sorry, but finally we get something from the Cork footballers. <laughs> finally, a little bit of backbone has been shown. I mean, you're welcome. Cork football fans, quite works. frankly, and I know I speak for Mr. McConville as well. I, I, he, I, we speak as one on this on this topic. Mr. McConville's words were: "I expect Tipperary to win this game comfortably. I think Cork are seriously gone back that far, and I don't expect them to have any sort of run in the qualifiers either. So who knows, Dave Mack? There could be a jingle on the way there. Murphy weren't quite as strong as that, but not a million miles off. Now, if you're looking for more of this kind of thing, there's tons of GA championship coverage right through the summer on the World Service. You can sign up on SecondCaptains.com for some Champions League final coverage. Our Monday football podcast." is out now featuring deep analysis of the greatest Champions League final goal of all time. Marcelo. Right foot across from him. We probably ended up talking more about Ramos's carry-on and the self-flagellation of Carius, but plenty on Gareth Bale's goal as well. You can listen for yourself. That pod is available for everybody right now.
Monica Clerken is in for the hurling chat this week. Thanks for making it in. Monica. How are you, lads? And Michael Dignan is listening. Hi, Michael. How are you doing, lads? Uh, we're doing pretty good now. Uh, pretty well, I should say. Now, Gerlach Nan was getting a lot of sick yesterday, but you had Tipperary buried by halftime as well, Michael. Maybe their time is up, you said at one point in the first half. <laughs> I did. I did. <laughs> I did. Well, it looked... I, I, I'll be, I, I don't know, but Ger probably really went for the juggler, but, um, <laughs> but it, 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 was, it was one of the strangest... Uh, championship games I say a hugely enjoyable massive game but looking at Tipperary in the first half um, it, it just looked like that th- that they were gone there was no energy the, they didn't look to have the legs the, uh, you know great batters like Sabonar Maher up front who's normally in everyone's face uh, even the very first ball of the game went in uh, Shane McCallan and lost it and Sean O'Donnell came bursting out and he just ran away from him and that sort of set the tone and they were all over the place Cork had obviously a beautiful brand of hurling and short and long and switched to play lovely and Tip just looked to have no answers anywhere they were being cleaned out in the middle of the field their full back line was being cleaned out and it, there was there was actually I was talking to Ken Hogan at half time up there and Brian his son was in goals and everyone was just of the opinion that you know it was the end of end of an era and then as Hurling has proven so many times in the past um, you know it can make a fool out of any of us and the comeback started and we had a completely different second half so you know uh, if I if I hurt any Tipperary man's feelings yesterday, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sure, I'm sure they'll be okay. Michael, what do you think, Maggie? How, how did they claw it back? Lagnan said that death concentrates the minds. <laughs> God, he's so macabre. Yeah. <laughs> that was after the game when he was when he was trying to uh, reel it all back in. Um, well, I tell you, you know, Michael didn't hurt any Tipperary man's feelings, and I say if everybody's honest, Lagnan didn't either, because I promise you, when the Tipperary team were going down the tunnel in front of me at half time. Every tip person in the crowd thought it was done as well. They were more or less shell-shocked because that, that was an abysmal half that they put in. Because it's exactly as Michael says, they were just so off it. Like, they just, it looked, you know, they, they were, it looked like they were playing analogue and Cork were digital. Like, it was just worlds apart what they were doing compared to what Cork were doing. Like Cork ran up 115 and everything, it was so, as Michael said, so perfectly structured. Like, you know, they were, you know, they were taking the short puck outs. That tip just kind of, even the way that tip allowed them to take the short puck out. I mean, obviously it was a designed plan. They were obviously say, said to themselves they'd leave Colm Spillane or, or Sean O'Donoghue free to, to receive the puck out and, and defend deep from there. But it even looked like they were, it they almost couldn't be arsed going over to them. You know, that kind of way that their their body language is off. Like they couldn't get Paddy Maher into the game. Brendan Maher tried to get it. He 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 scored a point where he, he jumped over the back of, I can't remember who it was, but that looked to be maybe getting them into it. Noel McGrath seemed to be the only one that was really getting them into it, but it was just so, so wan and so callow. And so like even Shane Kingston's goal, um, like Seamus Kennedy kind of followed him out and then just got done by a one-two and only sort of sort of jogged back after him. And even then, Kingston had four tip defenders that he sort of just sort of pirouetted around. Like it, it was an appalling goal to give away. So what they changed, I guess, like they got off to a fast start. They scored the first five points of the second half, and that gave them a bit of momentum. It got the crowd into it. Like after I think the fourth one, and they were re- what was in- important was that they were really fast within like you're talking sort of 40 seconds of each other rather than a minute and a half and so it was that gave momentum to the crowd and the crowd started giving it tip 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 and all this sort of stuff and you could see them sort of grow into the game um and once Noel McGrath got his goal 
there wasn't it was there wasn't really a score more than a score in it for the rest of the game. They, they got out of it like, but my God, if another half like that in their championship is over, you know. Yeah, Michael, and you know you it, the impression in the immediate aftermath of the game was that God, you know say what you like about Tipperary, but they they managed to dig something out of it. And it would be kind of broadly positive from Tipperary's point of view. But even with the passage of whatever, less than 24 hours, I'm sitting here thinking, like, what's their team? You know, they've picked two teams and then they've radically, you know, changed the team uh, yesterday. Like, is Ronan Maher their midfielder? Is Brendan Maher their right half back for next week? You know, Spirit got them back into it. But the impression is they still don't really know what they're at. Um, yeah, I, th- I think that's fair. I, you know, you still have Seamus Kennedy at fullback. Um, you know, Mike, like it, it, Michael Cahill was under all sorts of pressure again. Um, you know, and and spirit, and there was a few other things. I think, you know, we'll, I'll come back to that thing. But like Parik Maher going into centre back, Brendan Maher wing back, and they got closer. Like the basics of hurling, they got closer. Men were standing too far off in the first half. They were given three and four yards and. Cork's angles of running was causing them all sorts of trouble and Cork forwards were switching positions and it happened so often that they didn't kind of know who they were marking but suddenly the basics they got back to basics there was a breeze as well a fairly strong breeze and it rained as well in, into the second half so Cork's very short crisp passing game from the first half started to go wrong and a few balls started going out over the line the first touch let them down a bit which wasn't there so they gave tip that opportunity and then the two McGraths were just unbelievable up front you know the hurling ability of those two lads is unreal um so I was thinking about this as well myself. Is you know, you know, I know myself from my last days with Offaly when the team started to go. There was a gang of us at the same time: Joe Dooley, Martin Hanami, uh, Johnny Pilkington. A lot of us had a lot of mileage on the clock, and you know, the two thousand final we got hammered by Kilkenny, but we we had a brilliant semi final win against Cork, where we just managed to pull it together for that day and pull another massive performance out of our memory banks, if you like. And that I think was a lot to do with Tipperary yesterday. And I think two things can happen out of this. One. Uh, like to have Waterford down, they're probably lucky because Waterford are devastated with injuries. So to, to get another chance now, maybe to say, okay, this we're going to go with this team now. We're going to leave Brendan Maher wing back. We're going to Kennedy and the boys might have got a bit of confidence. And I thought you could see that through the second half that these fifty-fifty balls that they were losing all of them in the first half, they started winning them all in the second half. And can they carry that through now to the Waterford game and get another win and build it up another bit of momentum and actually become a big factor over the summer? Because it didn't look like it against Limerick. It certainly didn't look like it yesterday. Um, and you know, if if I think if they had a tougher match coming next week, uh, they might be in a bit more bother. But I think that. Waterford match because of all the injuries Waterford have and everything now uh, I think that's going to play into their play to their strengths as well and give them an opportunity to build rebuild what looks a very brittle confidence but I don't think you can underestimate maybe what they'll take out of that game from a spirit point of view and you know it's going to give them a lot of energy I think and that's the one thing that I thought they were lacking yesterday in the first half was, was that sort of interest as Maliki referred to it looked like they were totally disinterested it looked like they were gone that that you know we've been on the road for it for uh, since 2010, the, the core of that team, uh, the main men on that team, um, but they did, they did come out and put in a fantastic second half, and I think that will carry them. You know, certainly, uh, in, it'll carry them to a certain stage in the championship. Whether it's enough, we won't find out till down the road. But they'll certainly be in the quarterfinals. I think it's important for them too, no, or um, Owen, not to get too bogged down in this idea that they have a lot of miles in the clock or they're, that they're a team coming near the end. Like, like I know, I saw Lucknan got a bit of a do on Twitter this morning. Like, he, he wildly said at halftime, you know, four of those defenders are over 30. None of them are over 30. Hmm. They're, they are actually, if you go through the team, 
there's not really there's I maybe Shamey Callan is over thirty. Anyway, there are almost no over thirties on the team. They are more or less the perfect age profile. They're well, his other know, issue was that they weren't bringing the young players in. You know, the minors of a couple of years ago haven't really come through. So what maybe got the older age limit wrong, but that there aren't the amount of nineteen twenty year olds that there should be. Yeah, fair enough, but but the point is, and and you know this applies to some some teams in a lot of sports. When you're talking about you know we haven't got all all, all the young lads in. Who exactly are you taking out? Like you know, you know, from from halftime on yesterday, they played with their five star fours. They played with Bubbles, the two McGraths, Jason Ford, and Shamie Callanan. You'd want to be a fairly hot young minor now to be pushing one of them out, you know. And and so they have a, they have all Ireland winners. They have serious um, experience there, and they have. And I don't know how this is going to work. And actually, I find this fascinating about it this year. Uh, any other year, what they did yesterday was get themselves a draw and we'll be back for the replay next week. And it's, you know, it, it's a sort of indefinable, but it's 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 kind of a boost. You, you know, you go away saying, right, we'll get them next day, lads. But you're still going into next week, not particularly knowing where you are. In this structure, they got something tangible. They got a point. They put a point on the mm. board and more to the point, took a point off Cork that otherwise Cork could be on four points and now they'd be on zero points. Like, that's a huge thing to take away from a game like that that, that isn't there in other years. That, that they're going, they're having their team meal last night and they're going, right, we're, we're two points behind the top of the table now instead of four. Mm. And it's, it's, just, it's just different this year to other years. Yeah, Cork had a chance to really put a knife through Tips uh, Championship uh, yesterday and they couldn't finish the job, Michael. But they are moving fast in the right direction. I think after two games, we can say that with a high degree of certainty. Uh, yeah, and, uh, you know, it, 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 it's it's just funny how the dynamic can change. Um, like, John Myler came into Cork and, uh, you know, I think it's it's a fairly well known that maybe he would have been seen in some quarters to be old school or whatever, you know, and, uh, you know, he's he has taken on taken them on from the best of last year and added another bit to it. And, you know, I think, Sean, I don't know, even though you know he fumbled maybe the last ball and, and could have ended up in the net. But outside of that, he seems to be a big finder. Half-back line are playing with great confidence that we didn't see maybe last year. And the way they're playing the ball out, like Nash's puck-out strategy is a huge part of it, as Maliki mentioned. It's not even, he can go short, short, then he can go long, but he can pick a man on the diagonal, you know, at 70, 80 yards as well. And that suits the running game the way Carney and Lahan and them switch wings at such ease. And it's it's a huge skill level to be able to pick off a pass like that. It's one thing for a goalie to hit it, but the lads have to be able to do it. So there was a huge lot to admire about, about the way they played. And... Um, and huge testimony to, to Tipperary coming back. But Cork are real, you know, I, I, I said it after the Waterford playoff game, there was something different about them that day. There was way more steel to their game, and they've carried that through into the championship. They're supremely fit. And it's not just fitness nowadays. I saw this with Wexford the other night as well. It's actual pace, like f- fitness is a given, or should be given at inter-county level, top-class fitness. But the pace of, of some of their individual players and, and throughout the team is very, very impressive. And, 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 and you know, they had Tipperary ran off the field. I think they missed, you know, the, every team has wides, but they probably had five or six of the very soft rides in the first half. And maybe there should have been 13 or 14 or 15 points in it. Like Tipper really clinging in there. Only for Noel McGrath, the first half, he's the only Tipperary player. So Cork will take a lot out of it. And, you know, their game against Limerick now next week, you know, if they win that, and would Limerick be saying the same? And I think this it's this new championship structure. Like, from a player's point of view, I think we're seeing things that. Um, you know, maybe players will find it tough playing three and four weeks in a row and all that sort of thing. But from a spectator point of view, from a supporter point of view, from 
people that love the games and love love these challenges and the pot is thrown up. I think it's hugely exciting and it's hugely different and we'll reflect at the end of the summer about how it all worked out. But but so far, like it's just unbelievable. We don't know what to expect next week again. Um, and you know things will happen that we weren't expecting this week. So uh, the same as this week and last weekend. So to me, it's been. You know, it's just brilliant. To, um, it's been a brilliant start to the championship in both Leinster and Munster. Sure, I've been trying to tell you this all along, Michael. Stick with me. It's going to be a success. We're all. all, all... I, was a, I was a supporter of it as well I, I, <laughs> yeah, at the start. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, I'm not a supporter of, of, of Offaly playing four weeks in a row, but because I don't think we could do it. But anyway, that's another. I can't be feeling sorry for Offaly all the time either. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm going to ask you a question about Offaly, but just a small gripe based on yesterday, um, and that is around injury time, because this this injury time period. Brought together two two consistent issues that I have with, in the GA. One is referees' management of injury time always seems a little bit inconsistent to me from a match on a match to match basis. And secondly, I hate when umpires don't go to Hawkeye when the ball has gone practically over the black spot, as was the case. With the, so the winning point goes over in 71 minutes, 15 seconds, which should leave 45 seconds for at least one more play, possibly two. You still have time there for one team to grab a possible winner and then the other team to come back. But what happens is, goes to Hawkeye, there's a bit of a delay there, time gets added on to the added on time. The sample Hawkeye being the slowest thing. That, yeah, there was issues the slowest on, thing, on, on The slowest thing since mass. Yeah, so, but there were still some seconds added on to the two minutes. They were eaten up then by a cork substitute. The uh, substitution, I should, should say, the puck out wasn't allowed, had to be retaken. So the only thing that happened in a meaningful sense was a puck out got taken and wasn't even claimed by the time the full time whistle went. Am I the only one who's in any way annoyed by this, Michael? Oh, go on, Malika, you seem like you might ha- half agree with me. With this. <laughs> well, I sort of agree. Like two minutes injury time should be at least two minutes injury yeah, time. Yeah, but it, even, should, it shouldn't even, be less than two minutes. But even beyond that, the last couple of years we've been used to far more injury time than that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, two, two minutes is. is uh, I was surprised when two minutes. Which was, and it, was, it was essentially one minute fifteen seconds of, of, kind yeah. of play. Oh no, because as soon as they went to Hawkeye, we all went, "Oh, so that's the end of the game." Because, <laughs> yeah. Well, no, because that Hawkeye is is so slow. Like, and even it was very slow in the first half and got it wrong. Yeah, uh, yeah. And and oh and, yeah, there was yeah, one yeah, into the yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, no, I'm I'm with you all the way. Like, I I don't know what they can do there unless the referee just decide, decides to add on time or whatever. Yeah, add on. Well, that the referee should decide to add on time. And Hawkeye shouldn't. Well, it's supposed to be thirty seconds per substitution. Yeah. So I yeah. don't know if there five or six substitutions so that's more than two minutes then there was a couple of injuries in the second half and then there was the Hawkeye two or three decisions in Hawkeye so there was probably six or seven minutes yeah. of injury time in total um, but human nature comes in see, it's, it's the nature of every ref to play for the draw <laughs> even, the even when they're yeah. not going to get well, the replay there's no money. replay I mean this, this <laughs> no, is a sea change yeah <laughs> in the referee mindset it's like you you don't have to play for a draw in yeah, a yeah. round robin yeah. so tip of human Waterford nature, human nature lads <laughs> yeah, yeah tip of Waterford next weekend Malachian Waterford are in a difficult spot now they lost Austin Gleeson Porgo Manny before the game against Clare they lost four more players to injury during the game Kevin Moran got himself sent off and this is a county that has been one of the top counties for a long time, but depth probably hasn't been their their yeah. strong suit. So you got to you got to worry for them at this stage, don't you? Yeah, well, I just funny. I was thinking coming over here. I remember sitting at, in this studio last year before the All Ireland final, and we were talking about what what is the big difference between Galway and Waterford. What's going to decide it? And what we sort of came down to was that in the last twenty minutes, Galway have the bench and and Waterford don't like mm-hmm. they they just don't have the depth. Uh, I must say, I we were in the press box in Turles yesterday, working away while while that game was on, and uh, somebody said, "Geez, Waterford after losing their five best players," and uh, I was looking and went, uh, "Well, like 
injuries. That that would mean that Brick Walsh and Noel Connors got injured, and that has never happened. Yeah. Because they're, they're, they're two men made of steel beams, and they both, God Almighty, how, what, where, how many mirrors have you broken that Noel Connors and Brick Walsh and Austin Gleeson and Parik Mahoney uh, Tag the Borka, all get injured, yeah. and Kevin Moore gets yeah. sent off. Yeah, um, yeah. It's I don't know how you reco- analyze the game, really. But I don't know how you I was yeah. astonished then to find that they had scored two eighteen. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, I, th- I think the game had, uh, was well gone by the time the the the, the scores started flowing. But I mean, it is. It's like f- only five of the Ireland final team from last year finished the game. So I mean, you know, that's that that's a pretty damning statistic. Let's talk Galway, Kenny Murphy. I'll let you take this away. Yeah, well, the one thing that really struck me, Michael, watching it was that when this, the scores finally started to flow for Galway in the last kind of 10 minutes and the superiority that was there really throughout the game began to manifest itself on the scoreboard, every cheer got successively louder from the Galway crowd, not, well, the game's in the bag, so we're playing dead time here. The The impression being that, you know, newsflash Kilkenny fans there's no way you can beat Kilkenny by enough when you have them where you want them. And, you know, it actually only really became a thing, I think, in the last couple of weeks when people started mentioning the fact that Gola hadn't beaten Kilkenny on the way to the All-Ireland last year. And it was a nice little motivating factor. I don't think anyone in Gola was particularly bothered by that last year. But as it came to it, and it was a brilliant occasion yesterday uh, when being able to welcome Kilkenny to Galway for the first home game in the Leinster Championship was a big thing as well but it started to grow in people's minds that yeah it would actually be nice to really stick one on Kilkenny and that's that that really kind of fed into the players in the last in the last 10 or 15 minutes of the, of the game yesterday yeah I think that's only natural Murphy if you look at the I suppose if you look at the history of Kilkenny and Galway like over the last number of years you know all Ireland's and draws and replays and you see what Kilkenny did when they got the chance in the uh, you know they and I said this in, in my article on, on Sunday, you know, that's what Kilkenny would do to Galway or anyone else if they got the chance. They'd beat them as much as they could every day to put that, you know, leave a mark there for the next day and the next day. And, you know, I think um, that, I think Galway were conscious of that. They probably could have won by more. And, you know, having been, been at the tip Cork game and then I got home and I had the other game uh, video, uh, I wasn't allowed to watch it. We weren't allowed to turn on the radio in the car on the way home with the lads, with my own lads and <laughs> We had to get home and watch it, watch it live. So, um, but it was a completely different game, wasn't it? The, the Cork tip open, so open, so free, yeah. and then we saw this sort of maybe it's the difference between Leinster and Munster. I don't know, but the intensity, the tackling, the hitting, um, it was you know uh, was was at a different level to me in terms of that 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 aspect of the game. Um, and so it was different, and uh, you know the pitch was in an awful state. I don't know what it was like to play on, but it looked shocking. Um, I walked uh, it know, after the game, yeah. Michael, and it, it's it was it's not even sand. It's actually it's just denuded grass, so it's just really yeah. short. So it's it's kind of one of those where we get another two weeks of really good weather, and you know you're into ankle breaking territory where the ground is so hard, there's no grass on it. It's a disgrace. It's unbelievable that yeah. after all the belly aching we did about no home games, Galway have a home game and they can't provide a pitch. Yeah, well, it, look. It, 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 <laughs> It's an aside, but I think it's an important aside. You know, it was it's it. There was a lot of talk. I know in Galway at the time. I was very involved in O'Connor Park here. I was in ch- chairman of the fundraising here. We raised a lot of money to put O'Connor Park there. It's a fantastic surface, you know, and a fantastic facility. 
and I know a lot of people weren't happy about the, maybe the pitch going to Salt Hill and getting in and out and all that sort of thing. But as you say, for such a huge occasion to have the pitch looking like that, and it must have been very difficult to hurl on. It probably took from the game to, to a certain extent. Um, but look, anyway, that's for another day. But Galway going, doing exactly what they have to do. I still think there's another gear in them. Uh, I really do. I just, I think to have it off to a tee, the power, the, 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 we keep talking about three and six. Every time I suppose we're on here now, it's probably getting boring at this stage. But, you know, to have Burke and McInerney there, so solid, so strong. And then, you know, the, the, the size, they can go long up front, catch puck outs, they can go short. The first touch, Concannon has, you know, come in and he's, and he's, he's adding to the attack and they have the options off the bench and they're very settled and they know how they play. And Joe Canning is just, Loving his hurling as he always does, but he's really uh, leading the attack. So, look, it's happy days for Galway, I think. Yeah, Burke and McInerney in particular. There was a moment with about maybe 10 minutes to go. Uh, Walter Walsh had gone on a on a bit of a foray, and Garrett McInerney had attempted to, whatever, behead him. <laughs> and uh, about a minute after that, the ball is up the other end of the field, and Garrett McInerney and Dahi Burke are actually talking to, a, to each other. And as I was watching the two of them talking, the two of them are there saying... Let's not get sent off here because the like the ferocity of the Galway attacking, like Dahi Burke's uh, hit on uh, Scanlon for the penalty. Well, he was lucky. very lucky, wasn't he? He, he was lucky not to, not to get off. a red card. To be honest, I'm watching it live. It was sorry, Michael. Kevin Moore's right. I thought Kevin Moore's red card. You know, it was a it was a with third man in, and it was a heavy because Kevin Moore is so strong. Yeah, you know, he did that. He, like he, I don't think Tony Kelly overreacted, and like I think he hit him very hard, but. It was it was it was far less than Dahi Burke's hit on Luke Scanlon. Yeah, yeah. And, but I mean, it was it was real. Like I, I looking at it, it was a real throwback. It was you know kind of Hell's Kitchen type. Uh, like, do not come into my house, Dahi. Well, that and, sort of. And in fairness to Galway, you know, you you're kind of looking at them this year. What could they do? Like, how do, how do you move this on again? And I think the the evidence so far, and it's it's two games, and like in the Offaly game, they played for in fits and starts for about five or ten minutes in each half and blew them away. But uh, the the thing about them that they can develop now is the thing that Kilkenny had when Kilkenny were in their pomp. It's this sort of the psychological weapon of we are big, we are strong, we are brutal. Mm. And if you're going to beat us, you have to be that too. And so games get played on their terms. And that's a massive thing. If you're the best team in the country, which they probably are, you've got to you've got to do it like that. You've got to make everybody decide. Right, we have to we have to do something about these guys, and um, that looks to be what they what they're like so far. Like they they seem even if it was possible, a bit more mature and and a bit more of a of a physical force almost than yeah. last year. And I think it, it's probably the confidence that comes with winning too, Michael. You know, I mean, like the Arrow Ireland champions. But like the the words in Galway is that David Burke and Joe Canning have people driven demented down there going for two in a row which is you know that's kind yeah. of interesting you know that like that that the management can take a back seat because it's your two elder statesmen in the team you know driving people mad because now's the time to cash in they're probably looking around thinking for all the brilliant hurling that we've seen has any team really like put down a massive statement to say that you know we are flying it Cork and Limerick are playing very well obviously we've only seen Limerick once but Galway I'm sure now reckon that there is an All Ireland there again for them this year. That they are the class of the field. Yeah, but you know it's a long season, and we saw Waterford yesterday. We, like if Galway, if David Burke or Joe Canning or Gareth McInerney or Dahi Burke gets injured, which can happen now, and you know you lose a couple of players, get someone sent off, the thing can change very quickly. That's what Kilkenny lost players over the years. Lost JJ Delaney for a final. They lost Michael Fenley for a final. They lost Shefflin for a final, and they still won them. 
Um, you know, so they're going to face challenges that we're not expecting at the moment along the way, but they are very well placed. And I'm going to say something now, which uh, last year I was embroiled in a, a bit of a controversy with Davy Fitzgerald over the sweeper and this and that and the other. What a transformation I saw in the Wexford team yesterday. I don't think I ever saw Hurling played like Wexford played it against Offaly. I know Offaly were very, very poor, put my hands up, they were too far off the pace. But Wexford played a game um, of sort of complete 15 man hurling that I, you know, it was like a chessboard. That full backs, corner backs, wing backs, centre backs going up the field and someone dropping back into position all over the place. That wing forwards picking up puckouts 30 yards from their own goals and, and starting maybe three or four passes. It was a game that when they're under more pressure, which they will be against Galway next weekend, when they're maybe closed down on this puck, and maybe the first touches, which was exceptional all through. Um, but it's some evolution in 12 months from last year I saw Waterford and Wexford playing. What I thought, uh, the day of that controversy erupted where I sort of said, like, if you have to watch hurling like this, I wouldn't watch it, where the sweeper from Wexford poked the ball to Ty DeBurke and, and he poked it back to Sean Murphy. And there was no pattern to the game. This was different and this was a massive change and a massive fitness and pace throughout the team and Rory O'Connor probably the best young hurler that's emerged for quite some time at full forward just unbelievable for for his age maturity and strength and power and scoring ability so I have to when when credit is credit is due I really really even though it was very hard to watch as an awfully person the annihilation we got I really enjoyed the way Wexford played the game last Saturday I'm not sure if Davey Fitzgerald listens to the podcast Michael but we'll pass it on I'm sure <laughs> well, that's the truth well, he, he seems to find out when people say bad things about him, so maybe he'll find out <laughs> people, when he say good things he turns his phone off when it's good news <laughs> yeah, yeah brilliant Michael thanks so much Malachi excellent stuff cheers ok cheers lads bye bye I was watching Jaws the other night and I was like fuck this is a good analogy now for Munster <laughs> <laughs> I was like bear with me here now I was like so Munster is like the the boat, right? And uh, yep. they're they're all in the boat, the team. And then you've got Amity Island, which is the island that has been tormented by the shark. Yeah. And that's like the province and the, the people and the fans and the friends and family. Okay. And then you've got the shark, and that's Toulon, like, and yeah. he is tearing lumps out of the boat. And he's like, and there's been loads of casualties. Like Keith Earls is gone, his knee was bitten off, and then. Uh, you know, we have to remember who we've got in the field. And, uh, <laughs> you know, we've got that crazy captain guy with the beard and the pipe. Yeah, Robert Shaw. That's Robert Peter, Shaw. That's Peter Romani. Yeah, that's Peter Romani. He's like, yeah. manic, he will die, die on, on that, that boat. boat. He, yeah. That boat will go down and he'll go with it. He just wants to kill a shark. Like, And yeah. then you've got, like, that nerd Richard Dreyfus, who's yeah. like... Felix Jones doing yeah. all the homework and he knows the sharks, sharks inside, inside out. out. And then you've got the chief, and that's like Connor Murray. He, you know, you know he's yeah. not, we know he's not going to die. He's he's going to be the saver in the end. He's too cool to die. Too cool to die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Andrew yeah, Conway is kind of like the the fire extinguisher that blows up. The yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Tell you lads, it'll uh, it'll happen. <laughs> yes, Murph, that is a glow of satisfaction that you're sensing from me after hurling man Michael Dignan at least took my complaints at face value there. <laughs> Not completely laughed out of court, Owen. Mm. Uh, you can't aim the you can't have the bar set any higher than that. No. 
Uh, but I did see it was just like a like a storm, like a hot take storm. Hurling hot takes. Oh, it was all in like one golden, well, perhaps two golden hours. There was like eight McDevitt hot takes. I was takes, watching a lot of hurling. hot takes yesterday between two and five. I mean, if this isn't your thing, I would suggest, you know, logging out of Twitter.com for Sunday afternoons for the foreseeable future. <laughs> because I, like, it's just nonstop. Oh, and you're amazing. Ah, uh, umpires, just call it yourselves. I mean, Owen, they're just volunteers too, you know. I mean, do, do, you're drawing down like your massive Twitter following on the shoulders of these volunteers mm-hmm. who just want to do their job right, that's all. What if they're doing their job right, Murph? They won't have recourse to Hawkeye at every mm. given opportunity. Just just the really contentious ones. They should really have read the mood in the room as well, to be fair, because when they became clear that Hawkeye was like a five-minute break in the in the game, then, you know, we should probably try and limit those limit those our our calls to Hawkeye wherever possible. Yeah. We're going to have to try and get it a little quicker down simple. Yeah. James Mullins told me, Jesus, could you give out any more in one day? Somebody else called me grumpy. I think I thought only two of my tweets were negative and most of them are positive. No, this new hurling championship structure is brilliant. Fire emoji. No, I'm just adding the fire emojis Mm -hmm. myself. More games like like this more often. What's not to like? Nothing grumpy about that, Owen. No. Well, people said what's not to like is you don't see all the games. Well, I mean, you know. And you don't see any football. You know, my Gaelic football doesn't exist. My wallet's too small for my fifties, and my my diamond shoes are too tight. <laughs> you know, you're still getting two games every Sunday. All right, Champions that's a whole different argument. I do agree with the tweeter in principle. But. It's been a GA show today. We'll cover Leinster's historic double on the World Service during the week. Champions League, as I mentioned, is taken care of in today's football show. We did have a lot of Liverpool fans getting in touch over the last couple of days, looking for us to begin to piece their hearts back together again. I don't think we managed that in the football podcast. To be perfectly honest, we did, after all play out the show with Ken's analogy of Livia Soprano explaining that people let you down and in the end mm. you die in your own arms. But in the end you die in your own arms. Precisely, that's the one. So that was his analogy to give to Liverpool <laughs> supporters. Um, so we'll see what we can do here by playing out this podcast with your leader, Jurgen Klopp, singing his little heart out with a bunch of supporters at six in the morning. What a man. What a manager. What a inability to win finals but I'm sure he'll get over the line at some point this was tweeted by Oliver Bond thanks very much Murph thank you Owen thanks for listening we'll talk to you tomorrow we swear we keep on being cool we'll bring it back to Liverpool we saw the European Cup Madrid and all the fucking luck we swear we keep on being cool we'll bring it back to That's the second time it's gone off. They never go home, they never go home, they never go home, those, those, those boys. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. 
Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.